0: Scripture passage this morning is going to veer off of the essential Jesus readings. We're going to be in Joshua chapter three, verses one through five. Early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River where they camped before crossing. Three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp, giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. Since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Stay about a half mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the Ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. Then Joshua told the people, purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. Would you pray with me? God, we hear your word. Now, Holy Spirit, we ask you for the wisdom to understand it. Amen. All right. There was a man. He was hiking the Appalachian Trail. He got deep in. He got lost. So for about two days, he wandered around trying to find the path out. His food was starting to run out and he was starting to get nervous. Well, he stumbles across a campfire and another man sitting there, relief washes over him. He says, thank goodness I found you. I've been lost out here for two days. The man looks up and says, don't get too excited. I've been lost for two weeks. If you've ever hiked, you've ever been in the woods, you know how easy it can be to get lost. Especially if you're in a place you've never been before. Now today, with GPS technology, both for driving and for hiking and for any sort of travel, it's more and more infrequent for you to become lost. So I I got to confess, you can, I can always tell what generation a person is from by how they give me directions to their house. Somebody my generation or younger texts me the address or they drop a pin and it's fine. Someone from the previous generations, they'll give you the old style of directions. Go down about three quarters of a mile, like I know what three quarters of a mile is, but go down three quarters of a mile and turn left at the at the Conoco that used to be a fried chicken station. I don't know that either. And then it's the fifth house on the right after you see the red barn. I'm not going to remember any of that. Just give me the address. I can put it in. I'm going to go wherever Siri tells me to go, and I'm usually going to get there. It's rare that I get lost, but occasionally, when traveling into a new place, especially somewhere a little off the grid, Siri's not as accurate. Now this whole concept of getting lost as we travel, that doesn't just apply to physical travel. It doesn't just apply to going to a new location. Because in life, We travel new paths all the time. Whether that new path is leaving home to go off to school. Whether that new path is leaving school to enter the workforce. That new path is being single and then getting married. That new path is having children, facing an empty nest. Retirement, maybe losing a spouse, the person that we've done life with for decades now. We travel new paths all the time. And when we travel a new path, sometimes it's easy to start to feel a little lost. And a big reason for that is because we've never walked that path before. We don't know what it looks like. We don't know what it feels like. We've, we've gotten so used to being on one path that changing our course, even a little bit, is hard for us. And we can begin to feel a little lost at times. So I, I don't know how you wouldn't know this, but just in case you don't, at the end of June, you know the, the, the God has called through the bishop in the cabinet, For me to serve as the pastor of First United Methodist Church of West Monroe. So my family and I at the end of June, we'll be traveling a new path. Going to a new church with new people and new things to do. And that's exciting, but it's a little scary. Because on the way, as I said, it's possible to start to feel a little lost. And you know, those of you who have been Methodist for a long time, you get this sense that your denomination is traveling a little bit of a new path. Or even if you've just been at Trinity for a long time, or even a short time, you can tell there's a bit of a new path. So whether it's as individuals, whether it's as a family, A denomination or our particular church as we travel new paths and as we begin to feel lost it's important for us to find the guide to find the map to find the steps that we need to take to continue to go where God is calling us and that's just what was happening in this scripture So remember, God calls Moses, he brings the people out of Egypt, and he tells Moses, I'm going to lead the people through you to the promised land, to the place that I promised them, and this goes all the way back to the promise that God made to Abraham. So they're going to go, and they're going to enter this place that God has called them. It's somewhere new, they've never been there before, and God's going to lead them there. Now, they wander through the wilderness for decades. So finally, we come to the place. They're on this side of the Jordan River. The promised land is on that side. Moses has died. Joshua is now leading. And this is the moment that we read where they are preparing to go. And the instructions that God gives them through Joshua hold very, very valuable and poignant lessons for us, individually and corporately, as we travel our new paths. First lesson, I think it tells us, is that following God requires strength and courage. So listen, as you travel these paths, whether or not it is the path you have chosen, whether or not God even intended this path. God is with you. You never walk or travel alone. And so you have to follow Christ through this new path. And to do so requires strength and courage. Listen to Joshua 1 7. It's a well known verse. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then, this is a conditional statement. If this, then this. So if you don't deviate, if you don't turn from God's instructions, then you will be successful in everything you do. All right, so the the, the first part of that passage we just read. Be strong and very courageous. That's an often-read, often-quoted passage, and like so many verses in the Bible or passages, it's used in a context that may not exactly be faithful to the intent of when it was written. So I love sports, played football, love football, but being strong and courageous I don't think has anything to do with playing a football game. I really don't. What we're talking about here is real-life stuff. When things get serious, God instructs the people of God to be strong and courageous. Now, right there again, we hear strong and courageous, we probably think of a way a person acts towards external factors, what you do to this or this or in that or towards that. But the idea of strength and courage here in the Hebrew Are far less about how you act towards external forces and far more about who you are, how rooted and firm and true to the course you will be, especially when external forces come against you. Do you see the difference there? God's not telling them so much, go and get everybody. As God is telling them, be faithful, be true, be who I've called you to be, regardless of what comes your way. Be strong and courageous. Now, how do you do that? Well, the prescription is right there. Because right after he tells them, be strong and courageous, he gives them the how. By following all of the instructions that God has given you. So do you want to be strong? Do you want to be courageous? As you travel a new path, as you face new circumstance, maybe even as you're put in a situation where you have to deal with new things, difficult things, sometimes painful things, do you want to stand? Do you want to weather these storms? If so, know who God is and know who you are in God. That will give you the strength to withstand. Listen to how the psalmist puts it in the very first psalm. And there's a it's not a coincidence they made this psalm first in the lineup of all the psalms. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. You know what that means to meditate on God's law? It means to internalize it to let it marinate, to chew on it, to think about it, to sit with it. And can I also suggest meditating on God's word is not so much about finding a list of things to do or not to do as it is encountering God himself and then allowing it to go from there to guide your thoughts, your words, your actions. So listen to what happens to people who do this. They're like trees planted along the river bank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do. To be strong and courageous, to travel a new path and to do it faithfully and accurately, you have to know God and you have to be rooted in Christ. Stop finding your identity in your job. Stop finding your identity in your success. Stop finding your identity in your athletic achievement. Find your identity in Christ Jesus and everything else will fall into place. Parents, stop finding your identity in your child's athletic achievement or academic achievement. Find your identity in Christ Jesus and everything else falls into place. Because here's the thing, all of that other stuff will go away one day. Christ will not. So as you travel a new path, be strong and be courageous. But you do so because you know who Christ is and you know who you are in Christ. Second lesson, following God requires faith. Let's look back at verses three and four of our main text. Giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. Since you have never traveled this way before. I hope you, I hope that, that, that sentence catches you. Since you've never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Stay about a half a mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. This is the lesson. Every sermon that I'm preaching with you is being preached to me first. So this is the point that I'm struggling with. I want the map. I want the details. I want the schedule. I want to know the contingencies. I want to have it all planned and mapped out. And it just doesn't always work that way. Following God, especially down a new path, requires faith. It's not saying you don't do the work. But there are going to be times when God calls you. There are going to be times when life thrusts you into a place where all you can do is follow Jesus one step at a time. And that's okay. You know what I think? We're at point A, and God eventually wants to get us to point G. Now, if I know what point G is, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to try and bypass B through F. I'm going to try and skip ahead to the ending. But I would miss everything along the way that I need to arrive at G. G. Sometimes all God gives you is the next step. When you're in grief, sometimes all you can do is take the next breath, and that's okay. Traveling a new path, following Christ requires faith. Now, what's the significance of the Ark of the Covenant? All right. So remember, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all three are active throughout the whole Bible. Well, the Holy Spirit is the presence of God and that's who's with the Ark of the Covenant. And if sinful humanity, who is not atoned yet because Christ has not yet come, died, and resurrected, if they come into the full presence of God, they're killed. So they can't enter into that presence. And remember, the Ark of the Covenant is placed in the middle of the temple, in the most sacred, the most holy, the most innermost place, and there's a veil. You couldn't go in there. Only the high priest, only once a year, etc. So it's the presence of God that they are to follow. And as Joshua said, since you've never been this way before, you've got to follow the presence of God. Well, now, remember Christ, when he dies, what happens to that veil that's in the temple that keeps that separate? It's torn. It's gone. And Paul writes, because of Christ, we are cleansed. We are prepared. We are now the temple. The Holy Spirit lives within us. So to follow the ark for us, means to do what Paul wrote in Galatians 5.16, very simply. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. That is what we follow. That is who we listen to. That is the influence that shifts and shapes us as we go forward. Now, how do you do that? how do you follow the Holy Spirit? Well, first to follow the voice of the Holy Spirit, you got to know what he sounds like, which means you got to take time to listen. You got to set aside time each day. You listen through prayer. You listen through scripture study. You listen through participating in worship with other Christians. You listen by practice. You know, When a woman is pregnant with a child, they recommend not only talking to the child, singing to the child, doing doing all these things. And not just the mother, the father too. Because the child learns the voice of their parents. And when the child comes out of the womb and they hear that voice, something in them just knows, I can trust that voice. How intentionally are you practicing hearing and knowing the voice of the Holy Spirit? It takes practice. They could see the Ark of the Covenant, and they had to choose to follow. We can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, but only if we choose to listen. Now, that's what it looks like for individuals. What does that look like for a church? How, as a church, do we follow the voice of the Holy Spirit? Because this sermon isn't just about us as individuals. It isn't just about my family or your family. It's about our church as well. I believe, as a congregation, for Trinity to follow the voice of the Holy Spirit, it means a couple things. I think it means, first, setting aside what our hopes and our dreams And our desires for the church are and taking up the desires of Christ for the church. Our goal is not to make Trinity or First Methodist West Monroe or the Methodist church great. Our goal is to make the name of Jesus Christ known. To make his name great Friends, if all we're doing is working to make Trinity great, then we're building a great big tower of Babel that God needs to come and knock over. It is not about building our brand. It is not about building our kingdom. It is about building the kingdom of Christ. So following the voice of the Holy Spirit as a congregation means setting down what we want. Asking God what He wants. And going in that direction, even when it conflicts with what we want. Last Wednesday in our small group, we watched this fantastic video about parenting. Um, the, the, The speaker said, our children's happiness is not nearly as important as our children's holiness. And if holiness and happiness are at odds, holiness must win out every single time. The same is true for us as a church. If what makes me happy as a church member doesn't make our church more holy, then it needs to go away. Yes, our churches travel new paths. And we have to listen for and follow the voice of the Holy Spirit down that as well. Which leads us into the final lesson. Following God down a new path is often the way to the greatest blessings. All right, let's look back at verse 5. Then Joshua told the people, purify yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do great wonders among you. Isn't that what we want in our lives? Don't we want God to do great things in and through our lives? Because that's what's significant. That's what is lasting. That is what is of eternal value as individuals and as a congregation. And that doesn't happen by staying where we are. Look, I loved kindergarten. I went to school back when kindergartners could take naps and play on hippity hops and didn't have to write a four-page essay for standardized testing. Back when kindergarten was kindergarten. I loved it. It was fantastic. Lincoln Logs. I went for those every time during toy time. But how foolish would it be for a 42, almost 43-year-old man to stay in kindergarten. We don't achieve the blessings of God by staying where we are. You don't get that job you're dreaming of by living with your parents and not going to school and not earning a trade and not working towards it. Following Christ... It's not about playing it safe. And it's not about staying where we are all the time. It's about being willing to follow wherever he calls. And if we don't follow, we risk missing the blessings. What if Abram would have stayed with his home people in his home place? What if Moses would have said to the burning bush, I'm comfortable tending sheep. I'm not going to, I don't have time. What if Matthew would have stayed sitting at his table? What if Peter and his brother would have said, no, Jesus, you know what? Our our fishing business is doing really well. I'll tell you what, we'll give a little extra to the temple. That should make you happy, right? When the new path opens up, When God calls you to go. If you follow the voice of God, it will not always lead you to the easiest place. But if you're following the voice of God, you will never find yourself in the wrong place. God calls us to go. So as individuals... We go into the new places that God has called us. Sometimes that call is dynamically spiritual. Sometimes it's an opportunity that just seems to naturally open up. Where is God calling you to go? I know I know. God has been speaking to some of your hearts and calling you to something. It's time to say yes. It's time to go where God is calling you. And I know as a church, God is calling Trinity to new and powerful things. But it will never happen as long as Trinity looks back and wishes to go back to the way things were. As long as you look back to what was, you will never see where God is calling you to be. It's time to step out. You'll have to be strong and courageous. It'll take faith. But following God, even down that new scary path, is the path to the blessing of God's power and presence in your life, in your family, and in your church. The question is not whether or not God is calling, the question is will we follow? As the band comes to lead us in this last song, let me invite you to stand and pray with me as they get ready. God, may we, may we hear your voice. Holy Spirit, may we recognize what you're calling us to do, where you're calling us to be, And may we have the grace and the courage to follow you wherever that is. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Podcast. To find out more about Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityreston.org.